bring the heat. All righty. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa, I'm pretty blasted, so it could be trouble for you. <laughs> um, first of all, I did want to bring up something. It's about prayer, really, but it's a specific. Uh, how many people does the Lord wake up in, in the nights, nighttime, and you've sort of come to the conclusion that this is the Lord... Like, you know, you had to come to that conclusion if you're going to get anything out of it. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because I have fought this thing for a long time. And finally I have broken. I mean, like, I surrender. Because I, I can't, I'm going to get woke up anyway. But uh, here's one thing I noticed. And people who know about this can tell you this more than I can. Because I'm just sort of learning it after I've surrendered. Was, you know, in the night, there's spiritual warfare that goes on in the night. You can feel it in... Uh, like, I, I don't know exactly, but during people, other people probably in this room know this, but during certain hours, it's really intense. And, uh, but this, you know, around 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning, this can be some intense. And I'm not talking about being woke up worrying. I'm talking about when God wakes you up and you are connected into the spiritual realm. But this morning, so I had this, the Lord woke me up, and so I'm submitting these days and, and being uh, and praying. And, uh, but this morning I had that, and I got lots of things I wanted to share with him. But about 5 o'clock, though, there was a definite shift in the spiritual atmosphere. It was like this peace came. In fact, literally, it was like a wind, I could feel a wind on my face blowing across me of just real peace. It was really awesome. And uh, so I, don't, I, don't, I think that's pretty much the way it works. I think at certain times there are certain things that get released and then you can just sort of go back to sleep and, you know, be at peace for a while until the Lord sends the birds, you know, or the baby. He sent a bird to my window this morning at 6.30, and it was singing. And when I woke up, I thought, I'm supposed to get up. That's my alarm clock. And I said, oh, Lord, please, 10 more minutes, because I don't really want to get up at 6.30. So I fell back to sleep at 6.30, and I'll be dead on In 10 minutes, that bird started back up again. I just got to get up. It really happened. But this is one thing I saw. It's about, you know, we got some people headed down to South America this in July. And they're going to go to a, you know, His Heart Missions, Jim Hill. They do a, every year they do a conference. And, you know, one year they do it in Paraguay. One year they, they sort of bounce back and forth between Paraguay and Argentina. This year they're doing it in Paraguay. And there's going to be people from Brazil to come. There were people who from Brazil came last year, but there's more coming this year. But this is what I saw. I saw someone from Brazil. I was at this conference. I was in the future. You know, God can you know God can put you in the future. If you wonder about that, since He didn't have time constraints on Him like we do, in the Spirit He put me in the future, and I saw a man in that conference, and that man had a very dark, huge demon on him. And it was a big demon. It was not a little demon. In fact, it was one that, and I heard the Lord says, don't mess with that demon. That's what he told me. Don't mess with that demon. In other words, that's one that's more than just a regular demon. It's one that could really put a hurting on you if you started messing with it too much outside the grace of God. But I believe the Lord was showing me that because he wants us to pray against that thing and pray that that demon will not be showing up down there in Paraguay. Okay? Because it could bring some harm to people, bring some harm to what they're trying to do there. I mean, it just could be a bad thing. So I want you to be praying, you know, especially there's going to be some people from church here that are there. And we got people from the church who were there 
living down there, and we want to make sure the Lord protects them. Amen? So I want to ask you to be praying over this, this team that's going for sure. Uh, and be praying against uh, any kind of demonic... Uh, it's not that people from Brazil are not supposed to come. It's just leave the demon at home. You know, just... It can stay in Brazil, wherever it belongs there. And the, the Brazilians can come because they're awesome, awesome people. I mean, but isn't the Lord good that He likes to reveal things about what's going on? He wants to reveal the spiritual world so we can do something about the spiritual world. You know, that, that's why these, he shows you this, these types of things so we can have some influence over what's going on spiritually. And I'm excited that the Lord's doing that now, but I believe God's calling more and more people into prayer. It's a time for prayer we're in. And, uh, you know, when I started agreeing with the Lord on this, it's when I realized I need to agree with Him about being woken up at night. And the Lord can give you grace where you don't need as much sleep. In other words, you can get by on six hours in your body. He can supernaturally enable your body to be healthy on six versus your normal eight and the lord doesn't wake me up every night but he wakes me up a lot now and there's always an anointing to pray there's always a grace there and it's not i'm telling you it's not waking up worried you know it's waking up it's the lord the lord's there and he's saying you know it's a time to pray time to be with the lord in prayer and i just think there's a real grace for that right now and there's a real need for it and there's real power on that. And, and then, so if you start doing it, you can really start having some fun because of the, you know, the spiritual realm stuff starts getting, re- getting released. And uh, I knew a man, I'll just tell you this, I knew a man who, uh, this was way back before this was happening to a lot of people, he would wake up every night and the Lord would visit him every night. The Lord would visit him. He had so many supernatural encounters. This man wound up going all over the world and preaching all over the world. Uh, in, in the 60s, he was talking about stuff that we're talking about today. He was like a forerunner of a spiritual, a guy who had really connected into the spiritual realm and was impacted nation after nation after nation. And so that's really what God wants to do, 153 nations. Amen? Everybody good? All righty. Thank you, Lord. Have mercy. So we've been going through Ephesians forever, Right? Anybody remember that? Ephesians. So I'm all loaded up. I got this up here. I got this up here. I got all kinds of and I could go home and get my MacBook. <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just messing with you. I'm trying to get you to relax. Actually I'm trying to get myself to relax. I'm trying to get my my mind together. My mind is a Anyways, we've been going through Ephesians. Isn't Ephesians great? Have you heard there's a lot of popular preaching about the blueprints of heaven? I mean, but here it is. It's right here. This is what the book of Ephesians is. It is an objective blueprint for the church and for us individually. That's what it is. So if you really want to begin to tap into the blueprint, that's the book. And God really wants to make the book subjective. In other words, He wants to take it from an objective blueprint to a subjective blueprint for your life. And this is where you can begin to discover God's plan and purpose. That's what the book is. It's God's plan and purposes for our lives and how God wants to, the church to be and how God wants us to be as believers. The first three chapters, if you remember... It really talks about the blessings that we have in the heavenly places, in Christ. And that's what really Paul really releases is that, that concept that we have these blessings, these major, major, major blessings. And, they give, and he gives two prayers in Ephesians 1 and 1 in Ephesians 3. On, those are prayers to be able to help us access those blessings. 
okay, and it helps equip us to communicate to the Lord so we can begin to, to speak, because those prayers are powerful when you pray them, because you're speaking the things that God wants you to have in your life, and when you speak it, it, it brings it forth. Uh, and so that's sort of what he did. And, but then in, in chapter 4, he sh- everything shifts. There's not any prayers in, chap- in the rest of the book. There's not a prayer. There's, it's, it's a shift. And he shifts from the spiritual, what we're receiving from the Lord, to the practical walk, your practical Christian walk on this earth, how you take those blessings and make them a reality here in your life, and spiritual warfare. Okay, and how to engage in spiritual warfare by the blueprint. So it's really a very powerful book for us right now because we're in a time of of spiritual warfare and we can really get so much from it. And we're in a time where we need believers to really be walking out their design, walking out who they are in Christ and their identity and all that stuff that God wants to release or is releasing um, but one of the key words, 12 times, is grace. Okay, that's one of the key words in the book. 12 times Paul uses that word grace. And as you know, or should know, or do know not now, is 12 is the, is the number of God's government. Okay, and so really what this, this book is all about is framed as God's government, it's the way he wants to govern life, the way he meant for his government to work in the earth and work, work in our life. And grace is the essential element of how it works. That's really really what it's trying to tell us. So I'm going to read Ephesians 4, 1 through 8. This is, kind of, this is like Paul's launch. He's trying to launch us. It says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy. See, there's your first walk. Right away he shifts into, we got to walk worthy of the calling which which you were called. Okay, and in the first three chapters it identifies those callings, identifies that. With, then he says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. So, right before he says go, right before he says go out there and do this warfare, walk out this Christian life, he says, in order for you to do this, you really need to be humble. You really need to have a humble heart. You need to really lower yourself and have a meekness about you in your heart. Because if you don't, you will not be able to. You're not going to be able to get through these times. Now, that's just the truth. Without lowliness and meekness, we're not going to get through these times good. We're going to, we're going to get battered. And so that's what he's really trying to tell us. And then he goes on and, and endeavoring. This is something he wants us to do. Endeavor. Make it an effort. Put your hand to this thing to keep, okay, to keep the unity of the Spirit... Okay, in the bond of peace. In other words, there's so much division and so much strife in the world and in the church. And Paul was saying the blueprint, there's no place in the blueprint for strife. There's no place in the blueprint of God for, for disunity. In other words, you have got to pursue these. You've got to be intentional about these things. Because the enemy is very intentional about sowing discord and about bringing division, about bringing criticism, bringing judgment. And, and Paul is saying, you've got to be intentional about the opposite. Overcome evil with good. It's, it's really powerful. So that's, this is very key for us right now. This is the clues from heaven. This is the direction of heaven. And this book is alive and is a, it is a today word. It's not like something yesterday 
It's tomorrow. This is today's manna for the body of Christ, I really believe. Then he says, there's one body, mercy Lord, and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Now catch that. In, in Ephesians 1, in the prayer, he prayed that we would know the hope of his calling. But now he's shifting because he's shifted from his calling has become your calling. The hope of your calling. And that's really important, that word, the hope of his calling. The hope because we live in a hopeless world. Okay? We live in a hopeless world. And God is saying, I'm looking for people who got hope. I'm looking for the hope of your calling. And so, because we, okay, we, you and I, the church, the people in the world need some hope. Are they finding it with us? Or are we just as beat down as them? Have we lost hope like they have? Are we the hopeless people? And God is saying to us, of all people on the earth, you need to be people full of hope because you have something from you. You have hope in you. And God wants to activate us to hope and get us out of this defeated, beat down. We have hoped in the wrong thing is the problem. We've hoped in the economy of the United States of America. And God in His mercy, God in His mercy is dismantling this, uh, the economy of this nation. And I say God in His mercy because God is looking to take the people of God and say, there's a greater hope. There's something else you can look to. And we've got to get that because He's doing it for us. He's not doing it against us. Because he, He's looking for a people that can hope in something bigger than what we can see and, and what's happening around us. And so God is calling people. The hope of your calling. You can have this. You can have hope right now. And God really wants to impart His hope into our hearts. And I love that. Yes, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's a mouthful. But then, verse 7, this is where he switches into this. But to each one of us, grace was given according to... To the measure of Christ's gift. I want you to say this. Grace was given to me. Everybody in this room, if you know Christ, there's grace that's been imparted to you. And God said, so God is trying to release this grace thing. He's trying to release a fresh revelation of grace into the church. A new revelation of grace where we begin to be people who tap into the grace of God and live our life based on the grace of God and nothing else. And there's power in this thing. Uh, Then it says in verse 8, Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. That's a cool phrase. In other words, he took the things that captured people, the the chains, the imprisonment, the things that held people in bondage, and he took those things and captured them and imprisoned those things himself For you and I. In other words, whatever held you in bondage and whatever is holding you in bondage, He has already captured that thing and is holding that thing Himself in His prison cell, in the Lord's prison cell. And see, what we got to do is we got to get a revelation of that. Let me tell you, that, if you can get a revelation of that, that'll change your life. Because here's what a lot of people, a lot of Christians are living 
in a cell, a jail cell, and it's slimy and it's nasty and it stinks. There's flies in there. And, the, and one day I was in that cell. I came to this revelation. I was in this, and the slop that they fed you was terrible. I mean, they would, this demonic being would come by and scoop his hand into this five-gallon bucket and sling this muck at me. And that was what I was supposed to eat. And I was sitting in there as a believer. I had been a believer for 15 or so years. And I saw, I realized the door is unlocked to this prison cell. It's unlocked and I can get out. And so I decided I'm going to get out of here. And I went and opened the door and pushed it open and walked out. And I walked down this plank. And down at the bottom of the plank was the devil waiting on me. The devil was waiting on me. And he was there. And he and I knew, well, i got to get through the devil, you know. i got to get through this character. At the time, I didn't know it was the devil until I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to haul off. I'm going to punch that guy with all my might. I'm going to hit him as hard as I can. And the truth, this is the truth. Whether y'all believe it or not, when I was a young guy, I was one mean rascal. I knew how to fight. I really did. I knew how to fight people. In fact, I was feeling some badness this weekend. I got to remember this guy started this fight with me in the, in the movie theater. And we went outside, out back, and I beat that guy so bad, they had to drag me off of him. I went, in, I went postal. I went into a rage on this guy. And even the mean guys who loved that kind of stuff were, were yanking me and pulling me off of this guy because I had just went crazy on him. So I knew how to fight. So in this dream, I knew I'm going to get this. I'm going to take this guy out. I can take him out. He's not big. You know, he's not tough. You know, I'm out of here. And I hit that guy so hard. But here's what happened. When I hit him, it was like this. It's like I could see his face mush in slightly. But nothing happened. In other words, he didn't flinch. I mean, I gave him my absolute best shot. And then I knew, oh, no, I'm in trouble. I mean, I'm in real trouble. I can't beat this guy. He's going to kill me. And so I backed up and went to the second line of defense, which was kicking, which I learned from my sisters. You don't ever fight a girl. If you fight a girl, you're going to get kicked to death. They kick like my, I had a sister kick you like a horse. You couldn't beat her. She would beat you senseless. You ever seen those MMA guys swing their legs around? She could do it. Wow! Just like that. I mean, you couldn't get close enough to hit her. Forget hitting her. Anyway, so I kicked this guy several times. This guy took me and beat me senseless to haul me up in there and threw me. And I slid across all that muck back in that cell, slammed up against the, the, the corner. There I was laying in the corner of the cell, just beaten, senseless. And I realized that moment, wait a minute. I don't got to beat this guy. He's already beat Jesus has already beat him. And I'm trying to beat him myself. I'm trying to do it out of my own self. So I got up and marched myself out of there and looked at him. And I said, the blood of Jesus, the cross, I've got the blood on me. You can't stop me. I'm coming out of here. And, and that's really the truth. And we got Christians who are sitting there in bondage these days. And they need to, and in trying to fight their way out, you're going to lose. The devil's going to beat you. Because you're trying to fight the devil on his terms. And you can't beat the devil. I'm telling you, he's tough. But when you come up with the cross, you come up with the gospel. You come up with the good news. He's, he doesn't have a chance. In fact, the devil don't even want to hear about the good news. You know, he runs from the good news. And that's really what the Lord was, was showing me in this, in this dream about how to get free in my life. And I got free. 
my life turned around at that point. But I want to read to you Romans 5, 1 through 5. Okay? Are we we tracking? Romans 5, 1 through 5. This is what the Lord wants to do. Okay? Romans 5, but I'm doing it in the Message Bible because I can't stand it in the other versions. Okay? I really, I can't. I hate those verses, Lord. Why are those in the Why are those in the Bible? I hate them. But the message guy, he had, he got something. He got something from heaven when he did those verses. Because when I read them in the message Bible, I was like, I'm in. I'm bought in. I bought into the first two. Let's let's just read them. Now this is powerful. This is what the Lord's doing right now. This is what God wants you and I to get right now. This is the, if we ever said there's a new move of God, this is it. This is the move of God for us. This is the move of God in the earth. This is what's going to bring revival to the America. It's going to revi- bring revival to the world. When the world gets a hold of this thing, I'll tell you when the world gets a hold of this, when the church begins to tell the world this stuff, we, people will beat you. They will knock you down. They will throw you out of the church to get in the church. You think we... I'm just telling you, they're going to run to the church. They're going to beg. They will literally, they will push the pastors out of church to get in there because they are realized, finally, somebody has told me the real good news. I mean, the real good news because here's the truth. This is what the Lord told me. Oh, this is, he says, you've got a mix in you. You've got a mix of law and grace in you. And that's why your grace ain't working for you. Because you got too much. Because law, the grace doesn't work when it's mixed with the law. Grace don't work work when it's mixed with lawlessness. Okay, so on either side, you can't mix it with anything. Grace works when it's just purity grace. And say so we don't have a purity grace revelation yet. I mean, I got a revelation of grace. I got a good revelation of grace, really. But I've realized I don't have a really pure revelation of grace. And God's bringing the church into a pure revelation of grace. But this is what he said. This is so awesome. I just love these verses. All right. Number one, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us. That's so important. That God's always wanted to do this. Set us right with him. Let me say that one more time. Set us right with him. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not just going, I want you to hear this. I'm tired of this business. Of hearing people, why would God use me? Oh, God, I'm not, you know, why would God use little me? Oh, I'm going to disappoint God. Or I, you know, I'm just tired of that kind of talk because that's talk about us. And see, we've taken God out of the middle of the equation and put us in the middle of the equation. You hear what I'm saying to you? We've put us in there and we put everything about what we've done, how we've acted, what God's going to do about us. And God is saying, it ain't got nothing to do with you and me. It really doesn't. I know that might be hard for some people. But that's the pure grace of God. That's, that's why they call it good news. D- does somebody need good news? I'm needing, I'm needing some good news in my life. God always wanted to, he wanted to set me right with him and make us fit for him. God didn't make you right one day and make you fit one day and the next day just because you didn't do everything you thought you were supposed to do suddenly you're not right or fit anymore. Are y'all getting that? But I tell you what, most people think that way. Well, I'm going to let God down. or God's going to be disappointed. God ain't happy with me because of this. That has nothing to do. It has nothing to do. You're fit for God. You've been made right for God. You can't do anything to make it unright. 
Because he did that. And he, once he does something, it's done. It's not like, well, now look what they did. You know, what a disappointment they are. Yelled at their wife, left their wife, mean to their children. I'm telling you, you're still fit for God. You're still made right for God. Isn't that good news? I mean, good Lord. I know you may not believe it, but that's what the Bible says. And see, that's part of our problem is we believe in something else. We're believing a mix. We've got this mix in us, and we ain't got power because of the mix. I'm telling you, it's the truth. It's right here in the Bible. We have it all together with God. We have it all together with God because, not because of what we've done, but because of our Master, Jesus. We've got it together. You've got it together. I don't care what you were doing last night. You've got it together with God because of your Master, Jesus. That's the truth. That's good news. That's what the world needs to hear. Okay? And that's not all. That's what's so great about this. That's not all. I want you to remember that picture. The hotel rooms. You know, the ones with the doors. Two doors. Two rooms together. One door. You open the door and there's just a door there. And there's no doorknob. So you can't get into your neighbor's room without them opening the door. That's the picture. Right here. This is where it came from. We throw our doors. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment. That he has already thrown open his door to us. I want you to get this. Here you are. You're messed up in your life. You ain't doing right in your life. Your door shut to God. Okay? And then, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Let me open the door. The door was already open. I don't care how bad you were. I don't care what you were thinking. The door was open to you right then and there. It's like the prodigal son. He went and messed all up. And this is the crazy thing about the prodigal son I've noticed lately. He didn't come home because he was feeling bad about what he did. He came home because he was hungry. It had no, he didn't have no good motives going. Oh, I done messed up. I'm hungry. I'm just going to go tell daddy I'm sorry. I repent. Let me go get something. Just give me something to eat. <laughs> but you know what? When he shows up on the horizon, the father's looking at him and runs to him. That's a door open. And weeps on this boy. I don't care. You can say what you want. Wept on him. He was just wanting something to eat because he was starving to death. His empty stomach got him moving. But the father loved him. He loved him and accepted him and was generous beyond measure to him. I don't think many Christians think that way. You think, oh, i got to get my motives right, got to get this right, that right, do this right. None of that. That's not the good news. That's the bad news. I'll tell you that right now. That's bad news to me. It really is because I can't get it all right. And I can't do it all right. I don't even want to have to try to figure all that out. I don't want to try to keep that in my mind. I want to trust in something bigger than me. I want to trust in a power that's going to make me right and keep me right. That's what I want to trust in. And that's what grace does for you. Listen to this. We find ourselves standing where we always... Uh, we find His door open, and then we find ourselves standing where we always... Everybody say hoped. See, God wants to give people hoped we might stand out in the wide open... Everybody say wide open. Spaces of God's grace and glory. Wide open spaces 
of grace and glory. I'm talking wide open spaces. I'm talking about big spaces. It ain't like this is a little room. It's not like a closet. It's not like your bathroom. It's a big space. Wide open, full of grace and full of glory. That's what God has for people. This is what happened to me. This happened a few weeks ago. I had this spiritual encounter with the Lord. And I think I may have told you. But I was in this room. Spirit, I was, suddenly I was in a room spiritually. A spiritual place. And there was this thin, well I didn't know it was thin, but there was a membrane there. That's what it looked like. A membrane, but it was like plastic. And I just walked right through it. I knew I was supposed to do that. I walked through it. And when I did, I walked from a small place to a big place. And suddenly I realized I'm in this huge place. And life suddenly went from being little to being huge. Suddenly everything was accelerated. Everything was maximized. It was, it was awesome. It was unreal. You know, it's like going through a little, from a little hall closet, stepping into this huge auditorium. How, that's how it felt to me. And suddenly I was in, and I was getting, I'll tell you how powerful it was. I got stuff for Becky. I'm, I'm telling you, if you're a husband, you don't get prophetic stuff over your wife. If you do, you're full of baloney. I almost said something else. You're full of baloney. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about little stuff like, well, I know the Lord wants to help you. And I'm talking, I was seeing stuff. I was seeing stuff around her. I was seeing things that were happening in her life. Spiritual things. What was going on with her? I didn't say anything to her about it because, you know, she might not have been into that at the moment. But I'm just telling you, that's how powerful it was. I think if I can get stuff like that on my wife, I can give it over to anybody in the world. You know, because I know her so much and I know her so well, it's like there's a veil that gets on me. It's like yourself. You can't see stuff about yourself. And so it was a very powerful moment, and I didn't know what it was until I remember this scripture. This is what I just read to you. This is what God wants to do for everybody. That's what happens in this place. Is God wants to bring us all from a small place, small thinking, small hearted, into this wide open space of grace and glory. That's really what he wants to do. He wants to release us into that. And everything that's in that space, which is a lot more that was in the, than in the closet I was in. And it says this. Listen to this. Standing tall and shouting our praise. That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, isn't that pretty good? When that kind of stuff happens, it's so awesomely good. When God meets you like that. It's so much fun. It's so wonderful. Standing tall and just shouting. That's why people are roaring. Hey, we're in the presence of God. Nothing's like it. Nothing's like it. Let's finish this. Let's close the Bible because I have nothing to do. I don't want to read the rest of it. That was the problem. There's other verses attached to this. Okay. It got really wonderful Right then, but then the next verse is like, wait a minute, I'm not sure I want to go to these other verses, Lord. I don't really want to be involved in these other, I just want to be standing tall, shouting my praises in this glorious moment. Like me, like we do, but that's not the, but there's something more. And this is, this is great, man. Because it says in verse 3, there's more to come. You hear what I'm saying to you? It ain't, it, suddenly you have the encounter, but then the Lord says, there's more to come. Aren't we? Yes. 
we continue. Listen to this. This is going to really mess you up. You understand why I wanted to shut the book and go home. I'm quitting reading now. I don't have my meditation from the day, Lord. That was a good day. That was a good prayer time, Lord, this morning. I'm, I'm going on, shouting my praises. But then I noticed there was more to come. Like, oh, yeah, more to come. I forgot where I was reading all of a sudden. I forgot I was reading in Romans. Okay? In my New King James Bible, which I don't like the way they say this. But I, I saw there's more to come. That's what the Lord is saying to us right now. There's more to come. You, you hear what I'm saying to you? There's more to come. Listen to this. We continue to shout our praises even when we're hemmed in with troubles. That got a big amen. <laughs> we continue to shout our praises even when we're hemmed in. Wait a minute, Lord. You, you're talking wide open spaces. You just said wide open spaces. Wait a minute. Now something ain't getting us here. You said wide open spaces. Now you're talking about heaven being How can that be? What's wrong with the Bible? Somebody made a mistake. (laughs) Don't you ever feel like that when you read stuff in the Bible? How can I be in a wide open space and be hemmed in? (laughs) It's true. (laughs) But this is important. We can hear shout even when we're hemmed in with trouble. Mm. Because the wide open spaces. That's the spirit. The hemmed in with troubles is here now in the natural world. So in, we're, we're in the wide open spaces, but we're also hemmed in with troubles at the same time. Because you see, the troubles ain't going away. Troubles are given to us as a gift from the Lord. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. But troubles, God sends troubles to us as a servant. They're just disguised, but they're really our servants. They're meant to serve us. They're meant to escort us. They're meant to take us into something greater. Because we know... Now, this is terrible. There's a word in here that I can't stand. Okay? It's called the P word. Does anybody know about the P word? It's like, uh uh-uh, no, no thank you. I'm done with that P word. I haven't had enough of P words. Patience. Because <laughs> we know how troubles. Now listen, this is the Holy Ghost. I've never saw patience and passion in the same sentence. There ain't no such thing as passionate patience. As far as I'm concerned, that really is an oxymoron. They don't go passion and patience. Are you kidding me? Passion and patience? How can that be? That's the Holy Ghost. Yeah. There's, God wants to do something because it's through faith in what? Patience. That what do we get? God's promises. 
It's through them. That's why Paul says, that's why he's saying, it's passionate patience. It's not just regular old waiting around, boring. It's passionate because it's how God's Word is, it's how His destiny, it's how everything is released to us. It's through passionate and and faith, passionate patience and faith, we receive all His promises. And that's why Paul said, this is passionate patience. you got to get this passionate patience. These troubles cause this passionate patience to rise up. Not miserable, whining, sorrowful. Oh, woe is me, Christianity. Listen, this, I want to tell you this. I, wanna, I want you to know this. This is really important for you to know this. God is looking in the earth right now. He's looking for some people right now. He's looking for some churches right now. He's looking for some churches, some people, somebody's going to, they're looking around in the world, they're looking around at other Christians, everybody is crying, everybody is folding like cards, they're folding up like folding tables, because hard times have come, trouble has come, and people are folding, people don't, it's, and God is looking for somebody to stand up and say, wait a minute, I don't care what everybody else is doing. He's looking for some people, he really is right now, who are not going to sit there and look at their economy or the economy of their country or their relation, all that stuff. He's looking for some people who are going to look at something else and somebody who is going to rise up on the inside and take a stand. It's the truth. Somebody who's going to rise up and take a stand. Too many Christians are giving up. Too many Christians are falling into sin. Too many Christians are snobbling and sniveling like babies right now. I'm just being straight with you. You know, when I was in high school, they had this thing, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. You know, it was a football thing. Like, you know, it's going to be tough out there sometimes. You know, and somebody in that tough moment has got to rise up. Somebody that moment, in the picture I always had, is here we are. We're on the goal line. The devil's got the ball in this time. He's fixing to drive it down our throats. And some of us are sitting there whining about it. I'm serious. And backing off. And the coach is looking up and down the pitch. Get me somebody in there who's going to stand up to that devil and look him in the eye and say, you think you're going to put that ball here? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take that ball out of your hands and I'm going to walk all over the top of you. Now really, we've got to get that in us. That's what grace will do inside of you. Because grace ain't going to let no devil, no economy, no circumstances walk all over the top of you. And that's how you do it. It's true. And I feel this thing in me. I don't know why. I'm not into all that spiritual warfare stuff. Somehow I got drug into it. I'm not getting into this. I didn't even believe in this, Lord. I didn't believe in half of what people said about it. Why am I in the middle of this? I didn't even really believe in all that waking up in the middle of the night stuff. You sleep at night, man. Come on. You know, I never, you know, I'm just telling you the truth. But there's something that's trying to rise up right now inside of me. And I see it in some other. They want to, they want to get mean. They are saying, come on. I'm getting out there, and that ball ain't coming over this goal line. I'm telling you that right now. That ball is not coming over this goal line. I'll remember this. I'll never forget this as long as I live. And Drew Crowley cracked his head wide open on a skateboard. Y'all remember that? And he was going to die. Had his brain pressure. He was up there in the hospital. And get this phone call from his parents. And, you know, bruise up here. It's not a good sign. You know, I'm thinking, 
But in my spirit, that's what I felt. I saw this. I saw a defensive line. And I tell you what, that defensive line looked pretty butchered, really. They were dirty. It's like the old-timey football games. You remember them old games when those guys would be just covered in mud? You know, they had blood dripping down the side of their face. Had grass all stuck up in their helmet. They were breathing. This stuff was coming out of their mouth. They were slobbering. That's what it looked like. But I saw, I saw the enemy try to run in that line. I saw that line just flex go, boom. I knew right then, Drew's going to be fine. Drew's going to be fine because the devil ain't going to win this game. And the devil didn't win, did he? No, he didn't win. And see, God is looking for people right now who can do that. I don't care how beat up and slobbery you look or feel. It doesn't matter about your economy. It doesn't matter about my economy. It doesn't, doesn't matter about any of that. God is just looking at the bench right now because I think a lot of the starters have quit on us. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. A lot of starters, they just quit out there on the field and they've quit and they've walked home and they have whined and moaned and groaned. And it's, yeah, but, yeah, but, this and that. And God is saying, well, get me somebody on the field who will do it. That's what he's saying. Get me some people out there who won't quit just because they feel like they're getting run over. And we've got to rise up in this hour and do it. And that's why God wants to release a fresh revelation of grace to the church. It's because it's those people who are going to do it. It ain't going to be the ones that feel like they've got to make God happy or they've got to measure up or they've got to do everything perfect. It's just the ones that say, I'm going to trust on the grace of God to do this. And I believe that's the truth. I believe it's the real truth. Anyways, thank you, Lord. I forgot where I was at. Patience. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this is really important. Verse 4, and how that patient in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue. Tempered steel. You know how they temper steel in the natural? Yeah, fire. And so that's what's happening to a lot of people right now. And that steel is really hard, tough steel. That's what they use these swords. They're tempered. They can go. They can hit. They can cut through things. They can cut through armor. You know, they can do stuff because they've been tempered in this fire and they've allowed God and they didn't quit and they didn't whine. You know, they got going. They stood up in the moment when they had to. I feel like I'm trying to talk to a bunch of at a men's meeting or something. <laughs> so I'm really not trying to. I'm just telling you what's on the inside of me right now. Okay? And listen, this is the truth. This is a little deal me and Becky have. We have a one-day grace on each other. In other words, you can have a bad day. But you know the Bible says don't let, the, don't let your son go down in your anger. In other words, by the time night time comes, you need to be over that and moving on. So the next morning you can step into that new steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to the end. You can start off fresh and have a new day. But when you go on days and days, just robbery. So, but listen to this. And this, or after we, this keeping us alert... For whatever God will do next. Keeping us. See this is what's happening. The trouble is bringing opportunity. But because people are not allowing. And people are quitting in their heart. Or whatever they're doing. They are missing those windows of opportunity. They're missing what God is offering to the church right now. Because there's opportunity out there. And this is the truth. This is a fact. I'm just talking about in, in, in financial things, econ- economy. 
when there's a transfer or economic collapse, the money doesn't just disappear. It goes somewhere. It, it, it don't just all of a sudden there's no wealth no more. It's gone. No, it went somewhere. Do you see what I'm saying? And if you are slobbering and messing up and wanting to quit on the field, you ain't going to see the opportunity of where, oh, that's where the anointing's being transformed. That's where the money's going. That's where the Holy Ghost is going. That's where the power's going. I see it because I'm alert and it's showing me. Are you, do y'all follow me? But if we're in the other state, we won't see it. And we'll miss our opportunity. We'll miss our moment. Now, this is really important for us right now. Okay. In alert expectancy such as this, we, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Never. Never. We're never going to feel shortchanged. We're never going to feel shortchanged. Quite the contrary. Now, this is really where it gets back into good. You hung in there through all this crummy stuff that really wasn't that crummy. There was a purpose in it. We'd like to jump over but this, this part of the process. But this is really where it gets great. Are y'all okay? Um, anyways, where is this at? Now, quite the contrary. We, quite the, now this is great. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers. I mean enough containers to hold. I mean, come on. This is what the Lord wants to do. This is where God wants to take us. To hold everything. God, listen to this, God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Think about it. There's not, you could get every container in the world, every container in the world, every bucket, every tank, every oil thing that they have, the big old boats that carry oil. You could get them all and just line them up, and it wouldn't be able to contain this generosity of things that God wants to pour into people's lives. And that's really what the Lord wants to take the church. Let me just tell you this little, little thing. When I was a young person growing up, I had spiritual experiences. And I guarantee you, you did too. You may not know you are having spiritual experiences, but everybody has spiritual experiences. Here's what the problem is in the church today. When you talk about spiritual experiences, people sit there and listen to you, and they think something's wrong with that kind of stuff. Okay? And here's my point is, no, what's the wrong with this picture? You, I'm just telling you what's hap- really happening, and you're denying it's happening because you don't even know it. You're the one that's got the wrong problem. You know, it's not. You see what I'm saying? God is wanting to, to alert people that they're having spiritual experience. So I had this spiritual experience in Sunday school. Okay? That really... It was a bad spiritual experience, but it really completely, now God has used it to just transform my thinking. Okay, this is what it was. We read the story that, how can you remember stuff like that? It was so long ago. I mean, I was probably in the fourth or fifth grade. But I remember it just like yesterday. I remember all these feelings and thoughts I were having about it. We read the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Remember that story? How she came up behind Jesus and touched him? And got healed instantly. That's a pretty powerful story. There's a lot in that story, actually, if you really think about it. But this is what I heard. I heard this. I heard this voice telling me. Well, that woman, this is why Jesus did what he did. Jesus stopped. Who who touched me? Who touched me? You know, everybody said, what's, you know, everybody's touching you, Jesus. Come on. You know, what's the, now this is why, this is why Jesus did that. 
Because Jesus only had so much power. And that woman snuck up behind Jesus and got some of his power from him. And he lost some of his power because she got it. And because he didn't want to lose face, he just let her have it. Because Jesus only has a certain amount of power to give. And I thought, oh man, I just feel so bad for Jesus. Because he's only got, and he lost some of his power. That woman stole his power from him. And he didn't want to lose face. Because he only had so much power. Think about it. You know what that is? That's a poverty spirit. That's a poverty spirit. It's a poverty spirit. Because Jesus has got more power than we'll ever know. So here's what the Lord told me recently. This is what he said. This is what he, he literally told me this. He said, I'm looking for people. Well, he said it to me. I'm looking for you. He was saying this. I knew he was talking to me. I'm looking for people, okay, who will see if they can exhaust my resources. I'm looking for people who will say, I'm going to go after God's love so much, I'm going to find out if God can run, be run out of love. I'm going to find out if God can be run out of healing. I'm going to find out if God can be run out of joy. I'm going to go after peace so much. I'm going to find out, do you really have a limitation on you, Lord? Do you really have a limitation of peace on you? Because I'm going to go after your peace. I'm going to go after your love. I'm going to go after your joy. And if it's exhaustible, I'm going to exhaust it, Lord. Because I'm going to go. I really would almost say I'm going to go after your forgiveness. But the truth is, I've already done that. Because I've had to ask for forgiveness so many times. How many people like 98 times I've done this? One more time. Can you forgive me, Lord? Is there any left? Well, I found out the hard way. There's a lot of forgiveness left. In fact, when we get to heaven, we're going to find a teaspoon out of the ocean. It's all we got. I've always got to give. Now, that's the truth. And God's looking for people who to make a decision. I'm going after His love. He's going to have to love me. He's going to have to give me joy. I'm going to find out if Jesus really has limited power. I'm going to pull on His power and pull on His power and pull on His love every day. I'm not going, I'm not going to be ashamed of it. I'm just going to go after it and go after it and go after it. And God, I'm going to find out. Are you limited, God? Have you quit loving God? Do you run out on loving the people? Or do you, or, or do I have to be the person? Well, I got loved by God now. I got to go love somebody else now because I've got my love from God. That is a lie from hell. I'm going to tell you that right now. It really is. We should always go after love, after God's love. And if you do that, you're just going to be loving people because you're going to be living a life of overflow. You see this? God is tired of us not living in overflow. He wants us to overflow in life. Where it's just an overflow. It's not like i got to get this so I can do that. No, he wants overflow. He wants it, and that's what grace does. Grace is an overflow. It's something that just pours and pours through you. Are y'all believing this? That's why it's such good news. That's why the gospel is good news. It's almost too good to be true. That's the way it feels. Oh, this, can this really be true? It is true. And that's really what the world needs to hear. Okay? They need to hear about a God who says, I will bless, you get all the containers you can and bring them, and I will pour in those containers, and I'll keep pouring when you are long done carrying your containers. 
and I'll keep pouring, and I'll keep pouring, 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 I'll keep pouring. But see, our minds won't let us do that. Our minds are telling us something else. Our minds, we have this, I told you about the mixture, right? We have this mixture, right? I said that. Did I say that? We have this mixture, and because we have a mixture between law and grace, or, or, or grace and lawlessness, grace will not work. It doesn't work as a mixture. It either works as pure grace, or it doesn't work. And see, God is wanting to get us back to just pure grace. It's just pure grace. It's not grace and yeah, but I need to do this. No, it's just all grace. It's just all grace. Well, I'm, I, I fail. It's just all grace. Get up. There's grace. Yeah. You know, we've got to get into that place with God. Where we believe that about Him. What it says right here. He says it. He generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. God is generous. Find out how generous He really is. Have we exhausted His generosity? I don't think we have. I don't think we can, but we should try. That's what he's saying. All right. Ugh, mercy, Lord. All right, one more scripture. See, I've got all this stuff going up here. It's John uh, 1, verse 16. <sighs> is everybody okay? This is, where, this is the next move of God. This is what's going to save America. This is the good news. This is, this is the revival that God wants to bring. It's a revival of hope. It's a revival of love. It's a revival of generosity. It's a revival of God being extravagant to us. Well, John chapter 1, verse 16, uh, it says there, And of His fullness we have all received grace for grace. That's powerful, isn't it? Or of His bounty we have received spiritual blessing after spiritual blessing. Let me read what the Message Bible says. See, not only do I have an iPad, I have an iPhone. And I see I can have multiple versions of the Bible going at one time. So you could, you could get one of these. These apps are really cheap. You can have all kinds of Bible stuff on your phone and your iPad and your computer. Listen to, listen to what it says in the Message Bible, John 1:16. We all live off His generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. Gift after gift after gift. We all live off his generous bounty. Is that our Christian life? I don't, it's just not being. But now we're, God's making an offer to us. Come on. Grace for grace. Grace for grace. Well, that word fullness, did I tell you what it meant? The word fullness there, of his fullness, it's the, the picture in the Greek is of a cargo ship completely loaded down with supplies and cargo of his cargo ship loaded down with supplies and cargo for you and I it's out there you know you've heard the old term my ship coming in anybody ever heard that I'm waiting for my ship well the Lord's saying your ship is here okay the ship's come in it's out there it's him it's the Lord himself I was uh, I got this word recently uh, I got it at the you know uh, Harris not Harris well what's the name of the Y Lowe's YMCA I've been going over there for a while now but right beside Lowe's YMCA there's this eye doctor's uh, place that I've driven by bunches of times but one day suddenly I, I, my eyes were cast upon the name of it and God was talking to me it's called Horizon Eye Care and the, you know what the horizon is the horizon is where the sky 
meets the earth, right? And the Lord said, Byron, put your eyes. Make sure you take care to get your eyes off of the American economy. Get your eyes off of your trouble and get your eyes on the horizon where heaven meets earth. Your ship is there. Your cargo is there. But as low as you're here, as low as you're looking here, you're going to miss your ship. You're going to miss everything He has for you. He told me that. I got it wrote down. Horizon eye care. I got to take care of my eyes where I put my eyes. And when we begin to do that, something begins to happen in your life. Something starts rising up on the inside of you. You stop being a victim. You know, because the church shouldn't be full of victims. Maybe you come in as a victim, but you need to be done with it pretty quick. And when the trouble comes, oh, here comes the servant. Hey, trouble, wash my feet. Bathe me. Because God's fixing to give me something. Because you're here. And that's the truth. God's fixing to do something. God's fixing to do something. Because trouble has come. Trouble has come to America. Trouble has come to the body of Christ. Trouble has come to many people sitting in this room. But God's saying, hey, I sent him to you. I sent the trouble to you to get you, to take you somewhere, to get you into something that you never dreamed. It's called my cargo ship. It's my fullness. It's love after love. Well, let me read it. what the verse 17 says there. Are y'all okay? I'm about done. We got the basics from Moses. Okay? That's the old law thing. All right, we're done with that. Done. Settled. God has fulfilled the law. Jesus fulfilled it. I don't have to fulfill it. He's taking care of it. All I got to do is reach out to Him. But then it says, in, we got the basics from us. And then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus the Messiah. Endless knowing, endless understanding, exuberant giving. Exuberant. God not only, not only gives exuberantly, He gives you the ability to receive abundantly. And I think the truth is this, okay? I think the truth is this. we got a, re- a receiving problem. It ain't that God is having a hard time giving. We're just having a hard time receiving. And for me, here's why I had a hard time receiving. Because in my heart, there was this thing called legalism and grace mixed together. And the Lord said, until you get rid of that legalism, you ain't going to be able to receive power. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to forsake it. And when you start forsaking that, you'll suddenly start getting more and more and more. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not that you go out and sin and do all that crazy stuff. You don't even want to because there's power coming into your life. There's wisdom coming in. There's ability coming into your life. And that's really the good news. Isn't it too good to be true? That's the way it feels like. Can this really be true, Lord, that you are so exuberant? And that you're calling us up in this hour to be exuberant people, to receive lavishly and allow all this sorrow and headache and problems and trouble, allow it to serve us and bring us into something that you always dreamed for us to have, the fullness of God. Now, I'm in, I'm believing all this stuff. I'm into all this stuff. 
that's where I want to go in my life. Because I have done all this, already finished with the other stuff. I'm wanting to get in, I'm in this big place now. Now help me, Lord, teach me how to live in this big place. And teach me how to receive extravagantly. And you know what? We'll just worry about uh, I wanted to say this one more thing. I know I could keep going on this forever. You know, two things. One, Corinthians. Carnal, right? Sexual, immorality. Some guy was doing stuff he shouldn't have been doing. You know, people were acting like idiots. And they were getting drunk. Literally, they were getting drunk doing the fellowship meals. Paul's saying, y'all don't need to be doing this. Blah, blah. Stop doing this. Galatians, legalism. You foolish people! You get that? The one that were carnal and a bunch of bad, like a bunch of bad person. Y'all don't. Y'all need to stop. Y'all need to repent. You need to deal with this situation. You people who are legalists, you're foolish. You're crazy. He's jumping on. You're into witchcraft. That's how he dealt with the two situations. Well, how do we deal with the situations? Opposite. We tolerate legalism. And see, in the Bible, it's just an opposite thing. Y'all got that? It's really, when you start thinking about this stuff, you realize the Bible has a whole different view. The gospel has a whole different approach to stuff than we, we do. And that's why I'm saying, I got this mixture in me, Lord. I'm ready to go cut people's heads off for being carnal. And legalists, oh, okay, well, you don't need to do that, be, you know. But that ain't what they did in the Bible. And the other thing is, the Bible says it's more blessed to give, to give than receive. That is talking about in our relationship with one another. It is not talking about in our relationship with the Lord. Now, I want you to get that. It is not more blessed to give to God than receive from God. That is the most stupid thing in the world. It is more blessed to receive from God than give to God. Let me say that one more time. It is more blessed to receive from God than to give to God. God doesn't need us to give Him anything. God wants to serve you more than He wants you serving Him. Now, I know that goes against your religious thinking, but I'm just telling you that's the truth. God desires to serve us. He loves to serve people. He loves to wash His disciples' feet. That's what's in His heart. And that's how he wants to get. Lord, how about coming and serving me? Lord, well, I'm going to send that trouble, Byron. Oh, Lord, no, I wanted you to come. <laughs> no, I'm going to send the trouble. It's going to serve you. It's from me, though. Trust me. It's going to be all right. But sometimes he just comes and washes your feet. Sometimes he just comes. And so, well, see, those are the kind of mindsets we've got to begin to break in us. You know, we've got to start breaking that stuff. Like, I've got to serve God. I've got to please God. I've got to do all that. That's bull. That's not the gospel. It's not. It's letting him do all that. And you will do all that, but it won't be a deal for you. You'll do it because his life is in you and his extravagant giving heart will explode in you. And it won't be you. It'll be him in you. And that's the secret that God wants to give us to serving him and loving him is let that thing come in you where it just bubbles. That's the life of overflow. And God wants to break the poverty spirit off in people. Okay? Because I live with that poverty. I grew up with it. I know what I'm talking about. And it affects my whole life. But now, in the very area where the enemy afflicted me, God has given me a great victory. And that's what he wants to do for everybody. In the areas where you were afflicted, 
God is saying, I have exactly the opposite. That's why the devil went after you so hard in that area. But I tricked him. I tricked him. I tricked the devil. I let him do it, th him thinking he was going to really mess you up. But really, he was just setting you up for the biggest blessing that you could ever imagine getting. Amen? All right, y'all stand up, if you would. I know you're tired of me. Oh, mercy, Lord. Did anybody, did, did the Lord, did the Lord speak to anybody? Just, if, come on. God, won't, I don't want to just do a message. I want an impartation from God. I don't want to hear messages. I want something from God today. I don't want to walk out that door and think, well, that was a really lively message. The obnoxious son of a gun I yelled the whole time. <laughs> or some people like that. I want to walk out the door. God imparted something to me. God did something to me. God spoke to me and said, Byron, I've got something new for you. You know, Charlie, I've got something new. God, I've got something new. You're not too old to get something new. You're not too old. And your life is not done yet, so you might as well just go ahead and get it. Everybody who's old, you know, and the young people. It's like, man... If you're a young person, get this. Please get this. Please get this. Because one of these days, you're going to be leading us. And when I'm an old guy, I need some young guys who got this to lead me. I don't need these young guys putting legalism on me. Please get this, young people. If nobody else in the room, please, young people, because we need you to be the new leaders in this day when it comes for you to step up. We need people who are pulling on God and exhausting God. And teaching us how to exhaust Him. Because we've had enough of the other. I have. Haven't you? Lord, we've had enough of the other. Let's just say that. Lord, we've had enough of the other religion. Lord, we want you now. We want grace to come. And we want to be free from legalism. And we want to be free from lawlessness. So Holy Spirit, come right now. Release a new, profound revelation of grace to us. The government of God. His grace. How He governs the world. How He wants to govern our life. With His grace. Thank you, Lord. Amen. How many, uh, anybody like me grew up playing sports? And at halftime, you had a coach that just got in your grill? You know what I'm saying? Because he loved you as a player, as a team. He wanted to motivate you to go out there in this second half. And the game got late. And he's just, I mean, hollering on the sideline, going ballistic. I felt like in a sense, in a weird sort of way, it's really what our coach was doing this morning. Is he might, he might have been a little bit, maybe for you it wasn't for me, but a little bit offensive, but getting in your grill and saying, listen, it's late in the game. We're in the fourth quarter. Who here is going to stand up and shove the ball back the other way? Who's going to stand up on the D-line when the going gets tough and get going back the other way? Who wants to do that this morning? Raise your hand up to the Lord. Not quit. This is serious now. We're not giving up, Lord. By the grace of God, we're going to endure to the end. I can't do it. He can. That's the good part. That's the gospel. It's the good news for the Christian. It's not up to you. It's up to Him by His grace to endure to the end. 
Now I want to I want you to listen to me real closely. Hear this. Byron mentioned Drew Crowley, right? For some of you in your Drew Crowley situations, Drew died. Okay? But the coach says, listen, as long as there's still time on the clock, it's not too late. If the devil had the ball on the goal line, you stood up and he scored anyway. Are you going to quit? Wait, there's still 30 seconds left. You're only down six points. As long as there's still time on the clock, you've got an opportunity. You've got an opportunity. The enemy thought he won. He thought he had you whipped. But if you'll take the ball right now and you'll start going the other way, it's not too late because God can cause all things to work together for good. Thirteen years ago, my marriage failed. I mean, I was beaten. I was down. I was discouraged. I thought it was over for me as a Christian. But by the grace of God, even what I thought, and it was at the time, the worst thing that could ever happen to me became the greatest thing, if you can hear what I'm saying. God used all things for good to work in my life. And now how many can testify if we had time to go around the room and all the years in your life, some of the most depressing moments, you look back now, you see the horizon, you say, hey, I thought that was the end, but that was the beginning. So let's just stand up right here and just raise our hands before the Lord. Just feel like this is a really holy moment right now. That God is just putting a fire. As we were worshiping this morning, I saw a fire sweep through this room. It's all, it was almost like when something explodes and a big whoosh of fire comes out. That's what I saw in the spirit. And it's a cleansing fire. Fire hurts. Like Byron says, it forges steel. It's a purifying process. It's hard. But in the end, it produces gold. It produces pearl. It produces good things. It produces the strength of steel that can hold up. So God, what you're making available to us today by your grace, as we're raising our hands before you, we just say we receive it. Just say that I receive it, Lord. I receive it by your grace. I am made strong. Not in my strength, but yours, Lord. In my weakness, you are made perfect. Your strength is made perfect, Lord. So right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would empower each believer with the gospel in this room this morning. God, I pray that you would empower them Tomorrow morning, even today, God, if there's things that just come at them after they walk out of this room, I pray that their response would be different this time because they can see the ship coming in on the horizon, God. I just pray right now that your presence would keep them, Lord, that you would be strong on the inside, that the real spirit man in them would rise up and would take its stand after having done all, would take its stand. Thank you, Lord. You know, Matthew and I, this week, the Lord was just really speaking to us and encouraging us. And we were remembering this one thing that um, somebody had spoken to us, and you can explain it more, maybe. It's not necessarily how you started or even the middle. It's how we're finishing. 
It's really how we're going to finish. And we have the choice. That's what's so awesome. We have the choice and we were reminded of David in the Bible and the things he went through and the things he fell into. But yet, how is he? how did God choose to remember him as a man after God's own heart? And then... He decided that he was going to be named, that, that, God, that he, when he sent his son, that he would be called the son of David. The son of David. Do you see that? And God's saying, how are we going to finish? How are we going to finish this race? How are we going to finish it? And it's all by His grace. But that's His grace. That's His grace and His glory. That He loves us so extravagantly in that place. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for staying late. Ministry team, if you can come on up here. If we can have some ministry team folks. As we dismiss, if you need somebody to pray with you one-on-one, personally, maybe in some area of needing strength in your life, you want to lay it on of hands, healing. If you need to get right with the Lord today, maybe you've backslidden, you've fallen away, or you've never known Jesus as your Lord, come up here today. The grace of the Father is so abundant. So be blessed. You can be dismissed. Come up here for prayer if you need it.